this science is advancing at a pace that appears to be outstripping our understanding of some of the societal and ethical implications. In Indigenous cultures, I think there is a strong association between knowledges and responsibilities. Hello and welcome to this podcast series from the International Science Council, where we're exploring freedom and responsibility in science. I'm Marnie Chesterton and this episode is all about new technologies. What do developments in fields like gene editing, machine learning or climate engineering mean for scientific responsibility? How can we harness their potential while mitigating their potential harms? And can an Indigenous perspective help us to think more carefully about the challenges they pose? Scientific progress has enormously increased our ability to understand the world, but also to change it. And new technologies have the huge potential to impact our planet and the life it contains. We have these exciting new possibilities. But I think there's also, at the same time, a bit of concern of a risk of harm. This is Professor Francoise Bayliss, a philosopher and bioethicist at Dalhousie University. These harms can be accidental uh, or inadvertent, or they can be deliberate. And so you can think, for example, about our capacity to make changes to the DNA of a variety of living organisms. But we're also thinking about the ways in which we might modify the human. And I think people, myself included, are very concerned about what we put under the banner of heritable human genome editing, where we anticipate that changes made to the genome would not just be with that one individual, but ultimately would be passed on to subsequent generations. You can anticipate and see positive benefits that would support the common good, but you can also imagine the ways in which this very same technology could be used in pursuit of goals or objectives that might be questionable and even objectionable. When it comes to technologies like this, which pose risks as well as benefits, what kind of limits should there be to their use and their development? And who decides what those limits are? What I think we're seeing now is enthusiasm for science in terms of some of the benefits we could all get. Concern on the part of the scientific community that it has to have almost, for some, I would say, complete freedom to inquire with the idea that somehow knowledge production is always good. And then I think from a societal perspective, a real concern to sort of say, look, given that you can anticipate that there might be some harms, we can't just have this be a free-for-all. And society does have a place for some kind of regulation. And I think one of the things that's become really of central importance is improving our understanding of governance. For governance to be effective, Francoise says there are some strategies and mechanisms we should consider. In an ideal world, what you're looking for is some kind of global international agreement on priorities. Self-regulation, I think, is an important element of the responsible stewardship of science but it can't be the be-all and end-all. So I think we need to look at a range of other kinds of mechanisms, things like legislation and regulations, court cases and judicial rulings. I think that patents and licensing are a form of regulation, because if you can't get a patent because of the way in which you've done the science, that's a serious limitation. 
You could also think about the research ethics review guidelines as a form of governance, just as you could think about the rules for publication. If you can't get your work published, that's a real disincentive for doing research in a particular kind of way. But we also need to think about the overarching principles that guide how science is done so that new technologies create benefits that outweigh their harms. We want a system of science that's open, transparent, honest, accountable. At the same time, I'm a very strong proponent of social justice. Very often, harms and benefits do not devolve onto the same people. And so some people benefit and different people are harmed. And so I'm really committed to things like inclusiveness, fairness, non-discrimination, solidarity. And I think that when you're looking big picture at new technologies, we need to have our eye on the values and principles that should be driving our science so that it's for the benefit of us all. Throughout this series, we've examined how our attitudes to knowledge and responsibility should shape the way research is done in the 21st century. And although our ideas need to be updated in light of new challenges, we can also gain a lot by drawing on traditional perspectives. Knowledge is often associated with really key values in Indigenous cultures. So in Māori culture, it's associated with exploration, but also with perseverance. And there are responsibilities that come with knowledges. This is Ocean Mercia an associate professor at the School of Māori Studies at Victoria University of Wellington in New Zealand. As Māori, we talk about uh, being kaitiaki or guardians, and we can be guardians of environments or guardians of our human charges, uh, but we can also be guardians of knowledge. And uh, so there are there's responsibilities everywhere you look in Indigenous societies, uh, and that can really put the brakes on in terms of us thinking about new technologies, but in a good way, because we're thinking, okay, well, what are my core values here in relation to this new thing or that new thing? Is it going to cause net good in this web of relationships within which I exist? Or are there harms that we need to really think quite carefully about? In her research, Ocean works on a programme which brings Māori social scientists together with scientists working on gene technologies. Right now, we're working on gene silencing or uh, RNA interference to develop a targeted treatment for varroa mite. Now, varroa mite is a real hassle for apiarists, for beekeepers. Uh, It can destroy whole colonies, hives of bees. And so our only current method of controlling the varroa mite are the broad-spectrum pesticides that are very damaging to the bees themselves also. So with the gene silencing, we are finding some promising uh, results allowing the bees to, you know, just be bees and make honey. Uh, So where do we come into it as Māori? Well, first of all, Māori have a vested interest in beekeeping um, as an industry. And I'm not going to claim that Māori did molecular modifications in our traditions, but we we do have a tradition of selective breeding. And so what can we learn from how our ancestors applied their values to the technology and the way that they applied it, you know, hundreds of years ago? Um, And that's an important question to ask because those are still relevant values that we live by. 
as well as helping to generate better solutions for problems like Varroa mite, the project has also helped to foster relationships between scientists and Maori communities. By meeting on a common topic and common ground and a common issue for us both, it allows us to kind of negotiate a space of productivity that strengthens partnerships for for further collaborations down the track. Because one of the issues that we face as Māori is quite a poor representation still of Māori within the technical and physical sciences. But for Ocean, while traditional knowledge has the potential to be of huge value to science and to all of us, states have their own responsibilities towards Indigenous people too. The United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, it states that Indigenous peoples maintain control of their knowledges and sciences, and that states recognise and protect the exercise of those rights by Indigenous people. Uh, And Indigenous knowledges undoubtedly will play a huge role in returning our planet back to a, a state of good equilibrium and proper health but we need to make sure that the holders of that knowledge are protected, that their rights around their knowledge are protected and that they maintain sovereignty over those. That's it for this episode on freedom and responsibility in science from the International Science Council. The ISC has released a discussion paper on these issues. You can find the paper and learn more about the ISC's mission online at council.science forward slash podcast. In our next and final episode, we'll be looking at trust in science. What can researchers, publishers and institutions do to combat fraud? And how can we promote public understanding of science 